This is our last Sunday on the book of Jonah. We've taken five weeks, and our series has been uh, things you should learn uh, whenever God calls you to reach a city. And so you'll see there the outline things we've looked at so far. There's a number of themes in Jonah. We haven't hit all of them, uh, but we started out at the beginning of the year with the doctrine of sin, uh, that there's no such thing in good people and bad people or us versus them, that we all need the grace of God. We looked at the compassion of God. We just held it up, especially for people who are in process like Jonah. He's a knucklehead. And uh, that God is very compassionate to Ninevites and Jonah. We looked at storms that he brings and the types of storms that he can bring. Storms of our own making and storms that are just a result of the fall that had nothing to do with you and me. And yet storms still come. Then we looked at racism can be a hindrance to being called to reach a city. Which, by the way, we believe God is always calling his people to reach a city, if you will, quote unquote. And we believe God's calling us to continue to do that here as we have embark on a five-year vision, grace for the city, our church for the city, and grace for our city. And um, so this morning we'll wrap up looking at the, um, at the nature of God's love. Uh, a lesson to learn is that if you want to be, if God's always calling you to reach a city, uh, the nature of God's love you need to understand. And listen, he, I think that's mostly what chapter 4 is about. He, uh, he didn't understand the nature of God's love. He's mad that God's love is flowing to someone else. He says, your steadfast love, I knew it would go. Uh, I just knew your steadfast love would go to someone else. Uh, if I went to Nineveh, you'd be patient with them. You'd relent from them. I've seen you do that to the northern kingdom. And so Jonah uh, is mad and, um, uh, and kind of pitches a fit. And so... Uh, he's confused about the love of God. And so what I hope to do this morning is for us just to re-look at the nature of God's love and what it's like. And um, we'll look at three things. The, um, the three R's, alliteration, um, have become what I used to hate. I'm a pastor who does alliteration. Um, but uh, the river, the refining, it's refining. His love is a river. It's refining and it's refreshing. So... Uh, hopefully that's memorable for those of you who take notes. That's kind of the outline. So let's pray. God, would you reorient us to the nature of your love this morning? Would you, would you let us um, see ourselves as Jonah and realize that uh, even in the midst of, of uh, uh, being a prophet, being one of yours, um, a part of your people and your church, that we... Definitely, definitely lose sight of your love for us, your love for the, for the world, for people. And so, would you uh, increase that? I, help, I pray that you'd help me to, um, would you speak to our heart and to our minds about that, but also to our hands, that, that we would sort of become an army of one, like Jonah, who uh, you called to go reach a city, just that uh, would love the power of your love flowing through people. So make each of us that. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. All right, so first we'll look at the idea of, of God's love uh, being a river. And um, you'll see Psalm uh, here, the slide here, just uh, Psalm 46.4. Um, one of my favorite psalms uh, that my family and I, we memorized during the pandemic together. But verse 4 says, There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the whole habitation of the Most High. Um, and then, uh, no mention of his love, but I want you to see in context, it's speaking about God's love. God, when God graciously comes, he's a loving God. So there's a river who runs through the city that makes glad, um, the city of God, his people. And then Psalm 36, 8, they feast on the abundance of your house 
and you give them drink from the river of your delights. And so um, when speaking of God's love, seeing it in the passage here as a river, what I, what I, what I want to speak to is just really the, the, the idea of flowing, that, that the river flows. The river is always uh, flowing, and that God's love is kind of, kind of like a river. Now think about a river. A river is a source of life. Most cities are, are built historically way cities, Cincinnati, Louisville, big cities, on rivers. They're sources of life, industry, so many things. So historically, even when settlers would build and we go to lands, we build around water sources because they're a source of life. They, um, uh, we need water to, to, um, to survive. And, um, but one of the things about rivers uh, especially big ones. I grew up on the Tennessee River. Uh, it's famous for uh, smallmouth bath, bass because of how fast it flows. Smallmouth bass for you fishermen can uh, thrive better in, in, in fast streaming water, right? So the Tennessee River is notorious as the number one small bass lake because it's flowing. Rivers always keep flowing. And that's kind of the point. God's love is always flowing. The question is, uh, is um, Really, which way does your love flow, and which way does God's love flow? Now, what I want you to do, I want to compare that idea of just flowing here just for a, so, so, a second. Notice that God's love always flows outward. It's always flowing outward. Now, you're like, well, well uh, even as a tri- we worship a triune God who is in uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who love and glorify each other, that Jesus says that I have come to do only the will of the Father, and, uh, and then he says, there's one who's coming after me who is greater than me. The Father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And, uh, and actually, Jesus was comforted by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's role is to exalt Christ in the Scriptures. He wrote the Scriptures. And so there is a love and a glory of the triune God that is flowing. And it is out of that creation that the world was made. And you and I were made in that image. And so the nature of God's love is that it is flowing outward. Not towards oneself. It is flowing between the triune God outwardly, between each of them towards one another. And then it's flowing towards us. Look what happens in the story of Jonah. It is flowing to Jonah, which we've looked at, but it's also flowing to the Ninevites. It is flowing to the world. God's love is meant and it's always uh, flowing. God is a calling God. God is a ser- as a, uh, it's always calling to uh, serve. And he's, his love is always calling us and serving. And it is always flowing. And Jonah's love is not flowing outward like God's. His is flowing inward. His love for himself, self-pity, pain, whatever it may be, his love is flowing towards himself. And if you see in our passage here when he basically, um, uh, he's mad. And uh, after God using him in the city, which we've looked at in previous weeks, um, he goes out away from the city and sits down under a plant, gets a shade, and builds himself a booth for a shade, and he's alone. And he doesn't celebrate what God has just done in Nineveh as he's just preached to them and they've repented, and there's been huge change in that city. Uh, All he can think about is how mad he is. And he's worried about him and his own people. And his understanding of God's love is that it, he, it's, he doesn't see that God's love is always flowing outward. And he just doesn't like that. Let me just say that the most miserable way to live is to let your affections and your heart only flow inward. Now, the world is saying, be used, be used about you and self-esteem, but, but that's not what you and I are designed for. We were designed by a triune God, and the most miserable way for a human being to live is to live self-focused and always worried about himself. He is angry and pitching a fit, and yet 
He's fine. In, in a sense, his circumstances, God's been really gracious to him, saved him out of a well. He's seen some incredible things, and yet he is upset and miserable. Because his love was only flowing to himself, if you will. He could only think about himself. Um, it's the nature of who we are, and yet it's the most miserable way to live. It's to shrink your life, and my, me to shrink my life, down to only being about what I feel, what I think, all the time. And when you do that, you'll wind up miserable. Selfishness is the worst way to live. You weren't designed for that. And God's love flows outward. Uh, it's a river flowing out. And so um, let me just ask, how, how, are you, how do you go to work each day? Do you go to work each day mostly thinking about yourself, or do you go to work each day thinking about others? Do you think God's love has flowed through me, and it's flowing out, and but his flows out, I want it to flow out today? How do you go into work? What is it like? Do you, do you buy into the world system that the goal of work is to get yours and to get your own, and it's a survival of the fittest, or have you, do you trust and I got, even though you can't understand it, like Jonah, why would I worry about the Ninevites? Why would, it seems like I'm going to lose here, and, and doesn't it seem like I will do well here if I think about the Ninevites? Or do you trust the Lord as you go to work and think, God's love flows outward? It flowed outward to me. I should be flowing outward. What is it? Why? How do you walk and wake up? How do you wake up every morning within your home? Um, Brittany and I joke. Uh, uh, sometimes I have bad dreams. I've known to have them, and, and uh, I hurt her feelings because I yell, and I, I've, had, I've had to be examined of my sleep patterns and all this stuff. <laughs> but she, <laughs> she's like, you hurt my feelings. I'm like, I was asleep. You can't hold me accountable for being asleep, right? I was like, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. You were so mean. You yelled at me. Um, it really does reveal my heart, right? That, in my natural boot up, if I don't have anything, any filter, is to think for myself. How, does your, how do your feet hit the ground each day in your own life and in your own family? Kids, what's it like for you and your siblings when you wake up with your own parents? Or you, do you wake up with your um, thinking that the river ought to be flowing inwardly? Is that the way you process the world? Um, how do you show up to the events you show up to? How do you walk through these doors? Do you show up and say, here I am, inwardly, that's what you're thinking, or do you show up and, and think, there you are? I'm here to love, to love God and love people, which was the summation of the law. God's love flows outward. How do you relate to your spouse? Do you only think about how your needs are not being met? Are you only self-loving? Are you pitching fits inwardly? Maybe not outwardly, but all you think about is yourself. Or do you, is the love of God flowing outward through you? Does your love flow outward? Do you wake up and think, that what can I do? I live for them. How are your friendships? Are you always measuring your friendships with such high expectations of how they make you feel, how they check on you, or are you? That's a miserable way to live. By the way, you're a miserable friend if you do that. Or are, is love flowing out of you? It seems so basic, right? But Jonah doesn't see God's love as always flowing outward. I liken it to um, the way we think about God's love. Uh, the idea of it being a river is that it really is always flowing. But we want it to be a dam, right? I mentioned I live, grew up on the Tennessee River where they have huge dams that dam up uh, the rivers, which was something to create great lakes from the Tennessee River. 
So the many ways we think about God's love is that we want to dam it up and just kind of create recreation for just us. We think that it just should finish and end on us and kind of trickle out through the dam, but mostly it should land on us. Now listen, God's love is a river that you and I ought to drink from and it never stops flowing. But it's never intended to stop flowing. We drink from the thing that is always flowing. It's not to dam it up and hoard it. It's a river that is flowing. And the call to Jonah was for it to, for it to flow through him to the other people. How does love flow? What is your love like? Is it only flowing inwardly? Or do you want to dam up God's and think, which is what Jonah, Jonah thinks, that God exists for him and only his people. And um, he doesn't realize that God is grieving over the Ninevites. That word there, pity, in verse 11, at the very last verse says, should I not pity Nineveh? That word really translates in the Hebrew the idea of grieving. He's like, should I not grieve over them too? What do you grieve over? Are you mostly grieving over yourself? Or does your love flow outward? Um, Jonah built himself a shade tree just to preserve his own kind of tidy understanding of how you think your life ought to go and how he thought his life ought to go. And he was miserable. And um, can I just in parentheses pause for just a second and say that I'm very nervous about something in our culture? Uh, are you aware of what they call the metaverse that's coming? The virtual uh the virtual world that Facebook is trying to design, which uh, there's already the internet and social media where you kind of exist there, but basically the premise of it will be that you can create another whole world, a virtual world with some sort of avatar that you won't ever be, and you can begin to live and put on these glasses, these Oculus glasses, and just live in another world. And you can look like you want to look and be like you want to look. Now, there's some cool things that kids think about. It's like, I could put on our glasses and I can hang out with my mom and dad while he's quarantined down in Alabama. <laughs> and we can talk and create our, and actually build our own house again and make it look like we're living in their house. But do you, does that not scare you at the same time? That somehow we could figure out how to just create everything just for us. What Jonah wanted, he wanted a metaverse. And God says, I grieve for the world. And there's, there's things and we, we do age and things change. And I'm just not perfect. And my gravity takes effect of my body. And food sticks to me like I didn't used to think to. And things in the world is broken and hurting. And we encounter this world is broken. And God meets us in that. And he says, I'm preparing a place for you and this will be over. Don't go somewhere else. Actually meet me here because my love is flowing to you going outward to you. So God's love, the doctrine of God's love is that it always flows outward. When it's flown out, it flows outward. Maybe today you don't believe God's love flows to you, but it does. And it's a river. We'll look at that in just a minute. But the other thing about God's love uh, we see in our passage is that it is a refining love. It is a refining love. And you, you know that the scriptures speak to the love being a refiner's fire, right? We think we're comparing uh, God being a refining fire uh, to his people. Now, fire is an interesting thing, right? I mean, fire is, um, in one sense, fire brings warmth and life, but at the same time, fire is dangerous and can cause pain. 
And when we look at the depth and the breadth of God's love and what it is, there is an overwhelmingness to God's love. I mean, he, he, he didn't, Jonah didn't like the idea of how great God's love is. It was bigger than he knew, far greater than he knew, and he was mad about it. And he was mad that it was going to someone else. But God's love is also a refining love in the sense that he loves us so much that he will refine us. Notice the word uh, repeated starting with verse 5 and 6. Actually, you'll see there, let's start there. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah. And then look down in verse 7. Notice again, dawn came and God appointed a worm and attacked the plant so that it withered. And then notice when the sun rose, see the word repeated again, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on his head of Jonah so that he was faint. And what, is, what does it mean? God meaning God was doing these things for him, to him, if you will. And so the question is, is like, does, does God bring troubles to refine us? Scorching winds? Yes, he does. God loves Jonah so much that he won't let him settle for the vine that he wants to be under. He loves him so much. It's actually God's love that brings many things, is always bringing things to his people. Never, if you're a follower of him, is he ever not operating out of his love towards you. And he does bring things, and he brings things that are refining. Think about the illustration just of a kid, right? I mean, if you could let, if you're a parent, and your child wants to, um, you said you can eat whatever you want, and you just let them have whatever they wanted to eat. I don't know about your kid's mind, it would basically be candy, Skittles, donuts, and potato chips. Sounds good, right? Sounds good uh, in many ways. It sounds, <laughs> I like all those things. But we just let them only eat that. Always. Now, we know that would destroy their body. We know that wouldn't be good for them. What would a loving parent do? Well, don't think of what some people are so scarred by. Some people abuse parents. There's, parent, there's parents who are abusive and and do mean things to their kids and are over the top. But, but what, just in the sense of normal, what would you determine a good parent would do? He would make sure that that, he or she would make sure that child eats appropriately, even if they don't like it. Green beans, I don't know how many wrestled green beans. Eat your green beans and your vegetables. Why would we do that? Why was it? You gotta eat those. Just this week I had, we had to, Three potatoes, six green beans. I mean, I'm counting them out, right? <laughs> Why? Because I love them. I know that their body needs nutrients. I don't want them to settle for lesser foods. I want them to have the things that really makes them grow. And God loves him so much. That's what a loving parent, would you agree that's what a loving parent would do? Then that's what God does, his love. His love is a refining Refining love. Uh, right now, I guess I would ask, what vine or branch or plant in your life uh, is God dealing with? One that you want to be under, and he's taking it away, and you don't like it. That he's bringing the worms to and disrupting. What in your life is like that? Um, 
to embrace the idea that God's love is refining is not always easy, and we don't always understand. And Jonah didn't understand that, but, but he, he, nevertheless, he didn't think about God's love as a refining love. He didn't want it to be that. And um, in many ways, the cross is that way. I don't think most people thought that through suffering and pain and difficulty, while they were at the cross, is, it didn't seem like that's what Jesus was doing was going to win. But actually, our faith came through pain and suffering is where life comes. And Jonah was resistant to anything that might be what he didn't want, or what he thought was best. Now, are we looking at God that way? Are you resistant to his refining love? When we go to the doctor, do you always feel like you have to have... have are you an expert because you've looked at WebMD and you're going to tell the doctor everything they should do to you and not do and you're gonna, they're going to run it through you? Or at some level, the doctor will say to you, I'm the doctor and you're the patient. You've got to decide whether or not you trust my expertise. May I say, because of God's flowing love, his love can be refining. And I just want to lift up to you. Uh, today, whatever you're being refined in or feels like refining, God loves you. And his love is a difficult love sometimes. But it's always a parental love for his people. Embrace that. And lastly, his love is refreshing. And um, his love is always flowing. His love is refining sometimes. And his love is also refreshing. Just like the fire can burn you and is dangerous, it's overwhelming, it can, it can be painful, but the fire also gives life. And the fire can bring heat and comfort to those who are cold. And his love does that. And uh, what God, God is saying to, to Jonah, Jonah, yes, I know that there are barbaric, evil people. And I love them. But you're also an arrogant bigot, which we looked at last week. And I love you. And his love is so profound. And Jonah, he doesn't realize it's just how much God really loves him. But can you imagine sitting down before God and saying, before the God, which is what he says in our passage, he sits down and pitches a fit and says, I want to die. To the very God who gives us life and who is offering life to him. I don't want your love. My self-love is better. What I think is better. He, I mean, he, he literally is staring God in the face here. God is meeting with him. And he's saying, I want to die. Do you want to die? Yeah, I want to die. That'd be better, God. And yet God is so loving. He just has kept pursuing him, even when he ran away. Here's what I want you to hear. It, it, my guess is this pandemic, I know it for our, many of us find ourselves pitching a fit like him. And God is patient and gracious, and he will build a plan over you at times when he needs to, and he'll pull it away. He's loving, and he's renewing. His love refreshes. Um, 
verse 2 in the passage in chapter 2 says, I mean, he was mad that God's love was an abounding, steadfast love. That's what he's mad about. <laughs> and yet the reality of that God's abounding, steadfast love towards him was the most refreshing thing that you and I could ever have. I hope that gives you great hope today. No matter where you are, if you're pitching a fit, you feel like you're doing pretty good. That love that is steadfast, that is always flowing, flows to you. And to go back to Psalm 46, 3, there is a river that runs through the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High, that makes glad the city. That Psalm 46 is talking about, verses 1 through 3 says that, Though the mountains may fall into the ocean, though the oceans foam and the earthquakes are trembling, no matter what's going on, the first three verses of Psalm 46 just tell you, no matter what, whether you're pitching a fit, whether the Ninevites are scaring you, no matter what's going on, there is a river that runs, that makes glad the city of God that runs through it. That's God's love for his people. And that river, rivers are refreshing. I don't know if you've ever enjoyed just listening to them trickle. It's one of my favorite things to hear a waterfall or trickling water. The calming of that sound is really God's love. It could be symbolic that God's love is always flowing from you. Drink from that. Drink from that love. Be refreshed. And his love is steadfast. He keeps pursuing us. He kept pursuing Jonah through the whole book. When he ran as far as he could, when he pitched fits, he loved him. That's refreshing. That's a refreshing love. Um, interesting enough, uh, it is an odd end to the book. God finishes with asking a question, should I not have mercy on this city, 100,000? And we don't know how Jonah responds to his question. Um, why is that? It actually finishes the same way the par parable of the... Uh, prodigal son, where it finishes with uh, the father asking the elder brother a question, do I not love you too? And there's no, we don't know how he responds. It's kind of open-ended. What some think the reason for that is, is so that the story doesn't wrap up and it doesn't come to a nice tidy end here so that you and I will realize and can put ourselves in the place of Jonah. It's like the spear of God's love was going at Jonah, and it stays open in him, and Jonah ducks out of the way, and we put our place there, and it lands on us. How are you and I going to respond? Not Jonah. How are you going to respond to the refreshing, refining love of God? And what I hope it will do as we grow in that, that it will make it flow out to each other and to a city. Um, that the love of God would really compel us each day. As we transition next week into 2 Timothy, that will be one of the purposes of 2 Timothy. Is that God is, um, Paul is trying to help Timothy. Let the love of God keep flowing through him, even though. They've encountered very, very difficult things. Um, may you believe that his love flows to you, and God, want, may it flow through you as we go forward. Let's pray. God, as we respond this morning in singing, would you, uh, would you let us believe that your love is refining?
I know that there, even in my own life and all of our lives, there's things about our lives that are refining, that are difficult. Would you let us, let you take away the, the booths and the plants that we want to hide under instead of your love? And would you also, God, um, help us to um, drink from a river, not try to dam it up, but that we would in, drink from the river and believe that your love is always flowing outward. And would you help us, God, to uh, let our love flow outward to each other, to our families, to our wives, to our children, to our brothers and sisters. Would love flow outward from us and not inward? And would you, um, would you let us let it flow out as well to our community? I'm so thankful that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Your mercies never come to end. They're new every morning. And our hope is only found in Christ. Amen.